G'day, and welcome to episode 101 of the Pack of You podcast. My name is Hayden Thompson, and today I have guest Cody Irwin, who is the founder and CEO of Sharewares. Now, Sharewares is a circular economy platform that's located here in Vancouver, and what they do is they have a variety of different wares, like coffee mugs and takeout containers that are shared and reused across multiple industries, like grocery stores and cafes and sports stadiums. Now, it all sounds pretty simple to use, and Cody gets right into it during today's episode, but essentially, at the point of sale, users pay a refundable deposit to borrow the reusable cup or container, and when they're done, all you do is you scan the QR code on the container with your phone, and the closest return location will show up. So everything's operated through the app, and after chatting with Cody today, it's pretty evident that the tech that the Sharewares team have developed um, is really making it easy for everyone to adopt, so both businesses and users alike, and it's certainly what seems to be driving the early success of the business. Now, before we kick off in today's conversation with Cody, if you're new to the podcast, thanks for taking the time to listen in. My name is Hayden Thompson, and as well as chatting with business owners and operators, I work for a packaging company located in BC called Foodpack. And what we do is we help food-based CBG companies and processors with their packaging and food packaging equipment. So at Foodpack, we specialize in three specific areas. Um, stock bags, which you could think of as a turnkey solution to get to market. Custom printed bags and films, which is my favorite part of the business, actually, and what I think I do best. And our packaging equipment like Cipramac vacuum chamber machines, Plexpack band sealers, and repack tray sealers and thermoformers. So if you're looking to get into the market for the first time or would like me to access your existing packaging program, head on down into the Foodpack website by scrolling down into the show notes and you'll be able to dig into our website where you'll be able to go into a lot more detail on the specifics of what we do. And then if that ticks all of the boxes, you can get in touch with me directly by emailing me at hayden at thepackheavypodcast.com or even better, pick up the phone and dial 604-360-6790 and we can have a one-on-one chat about what we can do to help you. All right, that's enough from me. Let's get on with the show. Episode 101 with Cody Irwin. Cody, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks very much for having me. Mate, it's uh, it's great to have you on. Uh, you and I met quite some time ago at Andrea Gray Grant's um, Good to Grow trade show that she had. And uh, I came across your booth and uh, we struck up a conversation. And I think the conversation was particularly revolving around obviously the circular economy and sustainability and packaging. We're both obviously in the packaging industry. And uh, I thought it would be awesome to have you on to have a conversation about it all. Yeah, excited to be here and tell you all the things and yeah. Awesome, mate, thank you. So where are you from? Where'd you grow up? Well, I uh, I was born on a farm in Manitoba. I actually get the mm. privilege of going there tomorrow. Take my my kids and 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 wife there for a few days to see the old man and the all the old the old farm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we did, uh, born there. Uh, grew up mostly in Toronto. Then went to university at McGill in Montreal to mm. study uh, mechanical engineering. I saw uh, that. Was, yeah, that was a blast. Um, afterwards, went traveling for. A year because pretty much that's i didn't really have anything to do i worked in a diamond mine made a bunch of cash and cashed out i guess and did you really went around yeah yeah it was oh, a, wow. a diamond mine up in uh northwest territory so okay. it's a uh, uh, maintenance engineer there yeah. for yeah, yeah. just over summer and uh yeah just spent it all going like you know living on a shoestring 36 countries in 11 months i see yeah 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 so that was that was Unreal. pretty 
pretty sweet. And he has lots of experiences, got to, you know, different cultures, all that. And can, I, at the time I didn't know, but bringing that to my, my life as I go forward, was actually like very valuable. Oh, yeah. um, I just kind of wanted to go and do it, get that check off. And then, cause everybody's saying that like, you know, as soon as life starts, like life starts and you can't get out of life. Uh, so it's like, this is the only opportunity, no car, no job, no, you know, Nothing uh, you no down. apartments just out of school. Like it's like, I live with my mom and try to figure out where I'm going to be, or, you know, I go screw off and then come back and, you know, um, and then, yeah, and then after that, uh, I always knew that I was going to live in Vancouver. Uh, I was by 16, went to a wedding out here and was like, this is the, the gorgeous. Like I'm standing in downtown Vancouver. I can see the mountains. I can see the ocean and all the, like the buildings. So it was that, like all the convenience of a huge city, but then all the beauty of On the doorstep like, of- small thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And get to anywhere in like half an hour and, and have some fun, jump off some stuff, climb some things. Um, and yeah, I started a business in uh, while I was still living in Whistler. Well, I started in Whistler, and then uh, I moved down to start a, a food service business. Grew that. That was, that was yeah. natural source. Yeah, that was natural source. Mm. Um, so we, we pivoted a couple times at the very beginning, and then we we uh, changed into this kind of specialized in this niche market of technology companies. So managing their or helping them manage their replenishment of their kitchens. So all the like snacks and fruit and veggies. Uh, we we're doing like bulk food systems. We we're, were doing kegerators. So all these like fun stuff we were crafting out with uh, like cold brew teas, cold brew coffees, different awesome. types of kombuchas, yeah, um, ciders, lemonades, all these things on tap to. Uh, we were really pushing the industry uh, into that zero waste realm. That mm. was always one thing with me. It was like all those like individual package waste. It's always like for, since 2010 when I started my business. It was like this. This sucks. This is so bad. Yeah. Um, and we were trying to be as green as possible in every other area. Um, and then we got the opportunity to start transitioning over the industry. And then COVID hit, and mm. every single office closed pretty much. We dropped 98 um, percent. Overnight, overnight. it was like just crazy. Just like getting in a snowstorm at a at an airport and watching all the flights get canceled. It was dude. It was horrendous, wasn't it? Gone, gone, gone. At that time, I was working for Salt Spring Coffee, and I was their food service sales manager, and my sales dried up to zero overnight as well. Yeah. Uh, Just as all the restaurants and the cafes closed. So yeah, I uh, I feel you. Yeah, right there. Yeah. Definitely not. Yeah, definitely not the only one. And uh, I, you know, we had other partners in the business, people that we knew, uh, and yet closing up shop, liquidating, just like, get me out of here. Like, mm-hmm. let's just move on, go on to the next thing. Like, this thing's toast for a long time. And But it's um, still operating, right? Natural sauce? Oh, yeah. We're coming back yeah. um, like, like crazy, So, which is great because you know, we lasted through the pandemic. Like, most people are like, well, this business is over, so we'll just like liquidate everything and you know go on holiday and, and figure it out uh figure out what the next step but i was like ah like that startup phase is really tough mm. um like the it just like it's fun but it's 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 a lot and so we spent you know, 10 years building out the infrastructure for a functioning profitable amazing company and those resources can be repurposed like we you know mm. warehousing we had seven delivery vehicles we had 20 amazing staff that takes so long to find good people yeah, um and so we had to just like just such amazing people that we didn't want to like just disband everything um you know, we had software systems manuals procedures we had all the kind of supplies you need for running an office like you're de- all the things that you need to curate over time mm-hmm. um to put together and so we had that and i was like well let's what else can we do we pivot a couple times within our own kind of industry around the food side we like, we're making hand sanitizer like every every Everybody. jump yeah. every jump in there in there <laughs> were you, know, you distilling the it yourself were you 
No, we were working with a local uh, distillery wow. uh, yeah. in North Vancouver, yeah. and we were just getting big pails of that, and we were yeah. turning putting it into bottles and yeah. branding those, but then also selling that to offices mm-hmm. uh, in in small form, and also with like jugs with pumps, so they could be getting bulk quantities yeah. instead of spending also, eight dollars yeah. a bottle. They could get twenty liters at like a hundred and whatever dollars, yeah. and then just fill up all their own bottles and yeah. whatever. Um, but still, that wasn't pushing the needle. Home delivery stuff wasn't wasn't you know other companies were doing that. Save on Spud, mm. all of them mm-hmm. had that stuff dialed. So we're like, we're not going to be competing with them. Um, and and so we're like, well, this is the opportunity. We was like, well, now we have all these resources. What what can we really? What what else can we do? And we we're doing all the stuff in zero waste. Like, well, like there's so much waste during the pandemic. This is gonna rebound. Like, there's no way we can continue like this. Mm-hmm. Well, we couldn't continue at the rate we were at before the pandemic, and now it's like exponentially worse. Uh, so we just knew that it was gonna rebound. Um, it was going to be really hyperpolarized. We're we're hoping that way, and it's looking like that. People are seeing it. Um, so leaning into that zero waste stuff that we were doing before, we saw all these companies doing these reusable uh, cups and takeout containers and bags and grocery containers. And they all had these, you know, these 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 nice businesses going on, but they're all doing it off the side of their desk because there's no money in it at, at small le- levels. You got to really get up to scale yeah. Yeah. to to really move that because it's just so manual. Mm-hmm. Um, and they had all everybody's building these technologies and uh mainly offshoring these things and they they probably didn't have the experience the resources or anything that you know that that i i i had uh and i was like well we can kind of start and start at you know the fifth level 10th level um and i i'd never built a tech company before we'd had built technology um but we're like i kind of had to that was like the the thing that i i really had to Get out of my comfort zone to do was create a tech company because mm. I'm not like I'm I'm technical but I'm not uh, a coder. I've done a yeah. lot of coding, but I'm not. And and like the, the development since I coded back in like 2008 mm-hmm. um, are, are outstanding. So anyway, so I I hired some in I hired some in-house help, um, and then I hired a couple developers that, and, and found them and they're amazing people. Um, and more, more of them. Like I, I just, I have to surround myself with good people because mm. otherwise, you know, you're if you're working all the time and you don't have good people, then your your life sucks. It does. Um, so yeah. you built sharewares off the back of natural source. Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically, repurposed the whole place, and I mean, right. kept natural source going, but yeah, um, yeah, yeah, sharing all the resources, kind of employees, put natural source on all. yeah, and just kind of re, yeah, oh, just, like, cool. we needed to do deliveries, so we yeah, had, yeah. had delivery people and systems, yeah. we yeah, yeah, had yeah. people doing warehousing and logistics and and yeah. uh, facilities management and things yeah. like that. So it's like, okay, well, let's let's build a washing facility. Yeah, and yeah. Like, what is that going to take? And I'm like, yeah. well, let's hire on another couple people to help out, and yeah. we're on the subsidies anyways, and yeah. there was a lot of people out of work, so it's like. Yeah. Hey, we got um I'm on board. Yeah, like and then it was, you know, 25 cents on the dollar that we were spending to hire these people. So like, let's hire a whole bunch of people yeah. and uh and really lean into this and get get as far forward as we can uh with the government's help. And it was mm. yeah, it was yeah, like I, I owe all of this to the Canadian government. Their mm-hmm. their support this never never would have happened. Unbelievable. What was your primary role at Natural Source? Like what was your day-to-day looking like there? And how have you managed to sort of um leverage all of your skills there and put all of your energy into sharewares? Like what does that look like? Well, like is it the... similar? Like your day-to-day is similar between it? It's more of like an operational role, or were you sort of hands-on? Um, I was hands-on like for the most part of the first like yeah. 10 years. Yeah. Uh, but then like close to the end, uh, everything was running 
autonomously you yeah. know, just with my advisory here and there. So yeah. everybody knew what, knew what to do. They're all really good at their jobs. Yeah. Uh, all the clients are really happy. We are growing organically. And it was, uh, yeah, I could basically, by the time the pandemic happened, it was like everybody knew what to do and how to do it. And then I like kind of was like, all right, well, I'm going to do sharewares now. Um, and, you know, I'll be sitting over here. Let me know if you need anything. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then it ran great all the way through the pandemic. Awesome. And now it's coming back. And so we're just hiring up. So I'm supporting them a bit, but a lot of like 99% of my days on, on sharewares and um, yeah, I got a great team that supports me. So that's fantastic. Um, yeah. My day to day is working on sharewares and yeah, the, the development of the, I guess, all the project management of the, the washing facility, the technology yep. as yep. a product manager, project manager, and um on, like I've helped with onboarding customers and we're partnering up with, you know, like Tim Hortons and Skip mm. the Dishes and all these like, say that. Yeah. companies that, um, yeah, I have, I have help with, with, uh, with that. So I have a, a like client success slash, um, uh, marketing slash PR slash all this, like, you know, we all wear tons of hats. You're here, all so. doing it. Yeah. yeah. Mate, um, let's just back up a step because you studied mechanical engineering and I've got some buddies that mechanical engineers and the way that their brain works is so fascinating. Like they can see the inner workings of something without even touching it, right? Whether it's like a mechanical like piece or something that's pneumatic or something that, you know, it's, it's something in the shed, they could just make something so quick. And I've just got so much time and respect for the way that a mechanical engineer's brain works. So I'm imagining your brain's going to be very similar in the way that you can sort of see things in segments and with all lots of different moving pieces and basically understand how all of those moving pieces move together. Are you applying that sort of mechanical engineering sort of way of thinking to business and that sort of where you've seen your entrepreneurial success to date? Uh Yes, I mean it. It is does it is helping, and it, mm. it does it does hinder too. Because mm. um, doing, I, I didn't. I only did like one business course, and I never thought that I was going to be going into my own business or whatever. But yeah. like, but the mechanical engineering side is you know the systems, problem mm. solving, mm -hmm. how everything kind of works together, and not don't get me wrong. Like some some people are more book smart. They can just like memorize everything in a book and do all the formulas and the calculations and the estimations and stuff like that. Yeah. And then there's some that are more hands-on. Like I love building things and, uh, you know, building houses and dune buggies mm. and all this kind of stuff. So awesome. the, the physical getting, getting on the, on the things uh, is what, what, what was my jam. Um, I'm dyslexic too. So it, it's like that, that other, the book stuff is not stuff. I'm more visual on how I was going to say, do, do you miss being on the tools? Um, well, I'm still on the tools. I mean, as a entrepreneur, you're you're always, you're yeah. always on the tools. I got yeah, a shop true. in the back that I'm always, you know, yeah. like, like, oh, I could buy something or I could, I could just make a tool to make this happen yeah, and save it. myself thousands of dollars. Do you have a 3D um, printer? Uh, I was going to get one with I some. I can see you being uh, the kind of guy that'd have a 3D printer. Oh man, yeah. I, I want one. It's just like the time to to. to to uh, teach myself how to do it, but we did yeah. do some 3D printing for some designs cool, that we hey? did for some uh, for some new products. Um, yeah. As like like we got to figure out how this whole thing works, like how yeah. people are going to respond yeah. because like single use and, and reusable are exist right now. And, but reusable is like homewares mm -hmm. where having like a reuse system of like products that work in a, a public 
domain, mm -hmm. like a rental car kind of thing. Like mm -hmm. those aren't treated the same as at home. And if you got in a rental car that had a whole bunch of dents in it, you'd be like, this is a piece of junk. But if mm -hmm. you're, you know, if it's your own car, you're like, eh, it's my baby. That's you know, mine. it's like, those it's are my dents. dents. <laughs> I did that, right? <laughs> exactly. So it, it's a very different, um, a different mindset. So there's this big yeah. void right in the, yeah. uh, in the middle. Um, but back to the thing with like how the brains work, it's like yeah. when I first modeled out what our business would look, look like, I just, it's like, you know, spreadsheets, calculators, mm -hmm. we're going to do this, but then getting into business and actually, mm -hmm. you know, dealing with people, like the people mm -hmm. factor is completely different. And I'm, you know, an, an awkward engineer and, you know, like I said, so learning how to do, get into the sales stuff and, um, um, yeah, the different dynamics that are totally unpredictable in business. Mm -hmm. And it's a lot of feel to it. Uh, and coming out of engineering, you don't have that like business feel. And then like the quick analytics on like, mm -hmm. we didn't learn all that stuff in school on, on, you know, financial models and all that yeah. kind of stuff. Um, we're just like, oh yeah, I'll get a graph and be like, we will just grow at 10% per year. And, we and will it's do never this linear. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. It's like, I'll oh, hockey stick the crap out of this yeah. thing. All right. This yeah, is yeah. going to be huge. I'm going to be a millionaire by the time I'm 26. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it, it helped and, and hindered, uh, but uh, I, it definitely made, I'm like, a, I guess more like that Swiss army. And I think I have a lot of different stuff, but where I don't have those skills, then I will, I have resources to find those bring people, people or bring, yeah. bring them in to, to fill cool. those voids. So, yeah. That's awesome, mate. Um, let's, let's sort of dig into shareware. So we've sort of got a really good sort of idea as to sort of what sparked the idea. It was sort of built out of the pandemic. And uh, you obviously saw that there was a huge issue with single-use items and waste right now. Like there was a stat out there that Vancouverites throw away 441 million single-use cups and containers each year. And that's just sort of like a, a fraction of the issue, right? Like um, recyclability is a huge issue in terms of like the infrastructure that's available to collect and sort and then actually recycle some items and uh, and then when we're talking about compostable items like the infrastructure isn't in place to actually um, compost a lot of these um, items at an industrial scale either. So there are a lot of issues in the marketplace right now as we've all sort of identified and I think shareware's sort of sits in a really nice place right now. Why don't you sort of um, run everybody through sort of the business model that is Sharewares and how you currently or where the sort of business model started and how it currently looks? Yeah, I guess it started with a, a cup program. Mm. Uh, we looked at all the different ways that we could uh, we could do some kind of like a, a citywide borrowing platform for reusable cups or reusable containers. And we looked at the different models that were out there and like 99% of the models out there were doing these like library check-in check-out uh, style things. So like at check, like at checkout, when you're getting your cup of coffee, you had to scan the cup and the business had to scan you. And like, there are like, there was all these scanning that happened. There was a lot of friction. And then there's some, you know, reports that came out and I know people, you know, that, like, that were running some of these, these challenges and um, like just getting all the data in and be like, this is, you know, at scale, it can't, it can't messy. work like it's yeah. messy and like the big brands won't get on board so like the big offenders aren't really going to be able to adopt these models without mm. massive losses so that they're going to be fighting it and like all that kind of stuff so but then the deposit model which is age old and everybody knows has heard of it and everybody's done it and whatnot then um 
it works really well and it's clean. Uh, there is a strategy around it on like what the products um, you know are like, um, like the like the value of that deposit and then like the threshold that people will pay for deposits. Mm-hmm. Um, like you know five dollar deposits if you're doing takeout containers and you're getting four for your family or something like that. That's twenty dollars or like a a cup is five dollar deposits mm-hmm. and some of these things or whatever. Like might be a little high and like uh, unattainable for everybody. Like some people might just not care and they're like yeah, yeah sure that doesn't doesn't matter but it's not like accessible to the entire community Mm. so there is these like strategy to to fine-tune it so it's not too cheap but it's not too expensive um and and it can be yeah totally successful uh and and there was some stuff that people would pay up to five dollars in deposits and they would pay like half their cart worth in deposits um so there was data out there that people were um keen on it and it would easy to use and it's really straightforward and easy for businesses it doesn't re- require like any technology at all it just like flows in just like cases of pop in bc or or beer in in most places with those like the 10 cent um return deposit, deposit the return yeah. deposit yeah so you just like buy the case you pay the deposit and then they sell it to the distributor you know pay the deposit they sell it to the retailer pay the deposit sell it to the customer pay the deposit and so it's a full uh easy clean solution um and then there's only like technology that's needed kind of at the end mm. uh to scan it for convenience but they can actually bring the stuff right back to a depot so there is a completely techless model uh, out there, um, our tech, uh, so we, we saw that void is like, okay, well, well, if we innovate on this to make it more convenient, then we can make it more like, like easier and uh, easy to adopt. And so our, our basically our uh, innovation is just on that like key piece at the end where the person has to return it. So by putting a tracking code on all these that are all unique, um, like uh, every cup has a unique ID on it, and then you claim that to yourself when you return it, uh, you can be returning it in stores, you could be returning it in your office, you could be like sending it back with somebody that's home doing home pickup, you could give it to somebody and they could return it on your behalf and like you could be getting these deposits back uh, instead of going to a depot. Um, and that just makes it just like anywhere that there's a trash bin or recycling bin, there can be a, a collection bin as well, like next to it or, or, or completely replacing it in the zero waste future that we all see, uh, or we all have to get to. Um, so yeah, we're just like, well, this is the model and we laid it out and we're like, this is like what, you know, reuse could look like, but we could, this could work anywhere really in the world because you don't even need the technology. It could be, you know, in a third world country, uh, where they don't have, I mean, actually most lots of them have phones and things. Yeah. So, um, yeah. but you know, they, they, you still could operate that way. Cause there's always these, um, tra- like m- money transfer systems that you can do digitally. Uh, so we're like, yeah, let's go with this. So we ended up yeah, starting a tech company, hiring some developers, building that out. And then kind of as we evolved and we put it on on cups and we started kind of getting it going, we got like Tim Hortons that they were like, this is so clean and easy. Let's let's do it. And so they, you know, uh, they pulled the trigger real quick on it and mm-hmm. we're like, let's do a pilot. Let's get you on our cups. And so they had their cups made and put our uh, deposit codes um, engraved on those and got that rolling and then i kind of as we were kind of going going along um you know pitching to some of the biggest brands in the world um we're like well this this thing can doesn't have to be on cups like it can go on take containers it can go on mm. bags it can go and then kind of expanding it's like well this can go on just beyond wares like this can go on like anything like your pop can could have our code on it like even something that's recycled you know your jeans you know going into the fashion industry taking like um Taking a bite of that whole fast fashion, yeah, fast fashion, the textile mm. crisis, mm-hmm. textile waste crisis that's mm. you know global, it's huge, mm-hmm. and it's also like like a hot topic right now. So it's like it you, is, know, yeah. you could pay a deposit on a pair of jeans, and then five years later, when you print that jeans, you get your 
you know, five dollars back. And then like Levi's gets to resell that jeans, make money on it again mm-hmm. without having to make a new pair of jeans. Maybe they have the hammet, or maybe those rips in it are just cool, you know? And it's like that second hand, like, hey, why not? Yeah, yeah. Um, and so there's like that cleaning part of it. So like there could be uh value in that uh to the brands and then they're like hey well why don't we make these last longer why don't we make them come apart easier so we can remake them again or make them into something else at the end of life mm-hmm. um you know they want to like extend the amount of time that they're sitting on that deposit so they have more cash flow and then they can make money on it as many times as possible so there's a, a, a an incentive for them to actually instead of going fast fashion doing like the like very very slow fashion uh keep these things out there as long as possible um yeah so we're like wow like this is this is the extended producer responsibility technology that is kind of needed to to end the the waste crisis and mm. we actually see it like our ambitious goal is you know to to kind of inspire get uh, to support the end of the the climate crisis like the uh waste account according to ellen MacArthur foundation like the circular economy addresses 45 percent of climate change and if you can get 45 percent of anything you can get all of it like you're hitting critical mass you're hitting market penetration you're getting all that stuff right to mm-hmm. um get there so i see that as uh, like waste is that is a is kind of like the awareness of waste is that gateway drug to um to get us to the end of climate change so talk to us about sort of how you managed to get from a pilot program to scaling the business. Like there are obviously a lot of moving parts. The first part was obviously building out the infrastructure and the technology around sort of the scanning and the tracking and the returning. And then you've got the wash lab, which is the collection and the sanitizing and getting it back out into circulation again. So talk to us about those sort of moving pieces and how you incrementally scaled it up. Yeah, I wouldn't say we're at scale at all right now. We're not. Uh, we've done over a hundred thousand washers through our facility, um, but uh, yeah, I guess we had the infrastructure for the the uh, warehousing and yep. logistics already set up, and we had yep. the warehouse. So we're like, let's build a washing facility. So we built a, a, an MVP for that, just an under counter commercial dishwasher yep. to kind of get things going. Did a pilot in an office and uh, started doing some events. Uh, events are huge areas of waste. Uh, Saw so that. Yeah, done like six or seven events now mm-hmm. uh, like events of festivals um so we did a couple of those like no tech and then we launched our cup program with our in cafes uh, about a year ago um and then did some more festivals with tech on it uh the our cups had tech on it and it kind of grew our, our 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 cup program out um yeah, I guess just kind of just that that slow, like completely like like learning and growing. I guess it's slow, but really fast. Like I guess mm-hmm. um, uh, constantly engaging with customers. Like we we got our first app that came out, or not even like app. It's a it's an online kind of web. It's a web app, but it's it's an online platform. Um, it was super clunky and not really user centric and whatnot. Now ours now we have like a very clean, smooth uh, return process that takes mm-hmm. seconds to mm-hmm. do. Um, so it's just really not convenient. So yeah, our process was just kind of like keep iterating, um, keep looking for new products that we can we work with. Um, yeah, form relationships with these these big brands because we had something interesting that they they wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of showing them our value uh, in in our innovation like on our technology side but also like where we see the market going and like what products are going to look like in the future how people are going to be interacting with products in the future and what the opportunities are um in the future yeah like 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 if say all packaging like every these 
the organizations and governments or whatever they're like we need to standardize all the packaging it's like great that would be awesome for washing and processing and stuff like that and it's like but if that happens what are all these like sexy packaging that you know is out there and like brands rely on that stuff to to shop on shelves i mean a lot of that's going away with online shopping like the amazon just like basics you know cardboard box kind of thing mm -hmm. and like not having that uh customer uh delight when you know they see something on a shelf like oh my god this is the coolest package i have to have this so like if that's going away then what does marketing look like how does attraction look what does customer delight look like um and then so yeah looking like we did a, a project with bcit on doing a virtual uh, um sorry an augmented reality roll up the rim to win this was actually before we got uh, tim hortons on board cool. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, you can, cause you can't do it on a reusable cup. You can't roll up that rim. So mm -hmm. we did a digital one and then like had, you know, like, like prizes floating in space on your, <laughs> on your phone. So it's like, what is, what is the world going to look like? And how are we going to interact with customers? How are we going to wow customers? How are we going to attract and, uh, and retain them? Yeah. Um, and it's going to, and experiential stuff is, is where it's going. Everybody wants that, um, you know, that, that quick instant, you know, uh endorphins or and like you know serotonin and everything like that the scroll right yeah. that infinite <laughs> scroll and so just constant like yeah two second video awesome two second video i need another one i need another one like that's kind of thing that people need it's the hook now yeah. yeah um so yeah so that and that leaves that opportunity with like your if your packaging if everything looks exactly the same yeah. but now you have your google glasses on yeah. that are now like you know uh picking up on on these qr codes and scanning them that's you know on a shelf so those are visible suddenly there could be something in your you know in your vision as you're walking down those aisles or walking down those streets it's like you know some of these movies that are coming like what was that one a nice was it nice guy or i don't know the yeah. ryan reynolds movie where he's uh He's in a game and he puts on these glasses. I haven't and, seen and it. Like yeah. He sees everything around. It's like something like that, like nice guy or, or okay. whatever. But anyway. Probably filmed in Vancouver too. Oh yeah, probably. Um, but yeah, I mean, like there's so much opportunity and yeah. changing how people ex see and experience uh, food and beverages yeah. uh, and then everything else too. Like, Mate, yeah. it seems that this technology piece gets you excited. Like, is it something you're extremely passionate about? Like the tech side of the business? Oh yeah, technology. It's like magic. Like yeah, our our developers is. are just like I was like, I wish I knew what they do. Because like they're like, I want to do something. It's like and done. Like it might take a little time or whatever, but like yeah. you can you can spin up so much cool wizardry. Yeah. Um so it just yeah, it gets me jazzed because like I I I, I see the system and I see how it can all work and whatnot, yeah. but I just I, I I need the support to to help make it come to life and and yeah, they're yeah. yeah they're they're doing it and it's it's awesome yeah that is cool mate um let's talk about sort of the physical aspect of the business so the actual the cups and the utensils and you know all of the things that go along with sort of the reusable program where did you start when and you like when you are actually like looking at the physical objects and what you wanted to get into people's hands and what was practical and what would last you know what kind of lifespan are we thinking about here like how many washes or how did you sort of quantify what a lifespan was and what materials were you looking at when you were sort of assessing the situation there yeah uh we looked at a lot of things but there's not a, like commercially commercially available things like there was a couple different products but they were like yeah. nine dollars a unit i'm like that's what i was going to suggest it's, it's like, they were really expensive out there yeah and that doesn't work on a deposit model because no. if you give something that you know if you put a two dollar deposit on something that's nine dollars people just right. keep it exactly uh so we're like this has got to be a better way to do it mm -hmm. and then um yeah we, we just we st we're, we're like like couldn't really find much that could work we went to china um got these custom cups made 
got them got them here awful just an absolute mess um they polypropylene were just, pp poly, yeah they're polypropylene but they were like the, the laminated um like the like the uh labeling on it and everything like it was yeah. just awful yeah. it was like melting in our dishwashers it smelled so, awful like it was the just chemical like, smell yeah it was just brutal uh and then we stumbled across this b corp out of the states that was making um polypropylene items here uh on shore so ethically because they're a b corp and they caught in that that mm. that mesh mm-hmm. uh and uh the polypropylene is 100 recycled like mm-hmm. premium food grade polypropylene mm-hmm. uh it was just a, a unicorn cup and you're like you gotta be kidding me this like this thing exists and it came with a lid and then the lid was like a side project that they worked on and i just like ended up sending me samples and i was just like oh my god we got our cup this was like a week at your price after. point uh, below our price one. It was wow. cheaper than China. It was crazy. Um, yeah, it was all, all the things compounded. Uh, it was just made it just, it wasn't too, like China wasn't getting the Chinese stuff. Wasn't uh, it's terribly expensive. Like it worked within our, our plans, but this was like actually like a fight profitable I was like, oh my gosh this is wow. amazing so yeah we were, we were so and this was like a week after we uh we were like banging our heads up against the wall because we just got these this three thousand cups from china that were mm-hmm. awful that we had decommissioned we were about to launch the office pilot with them yeah. and we're like oh and the client was it. like i'm like i could we even do this and the client's like nope and we're like yeah this is bad uh, and then i got this apples in the mail and i was like this is amazing so um yeah we looked at a lot of different things like a lot of different materials uh we went down like rabbit hole after rabbit hole because like i didn't want to screw it up at the very beginning mm. um and i really love learning things and i like to see the whole picture and how everything works together like from start of life to end of life um and you know the energy consumption the um how, how, like the ethics around it um the longevity of things the the cost of things is huge because cost isn't just to us but to the consumer itself mm-hmm. um and then yeah like uh, how these things could be reprocessed like polypropylene could be done at a, a, a local level mm-hmm. so you could be bringing in fresh stuff say it was maybe from recycled content to start with cups come in we use them they get decommissioned broken whatnot we could be breaking them down locally on a very inexpensive machine mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. remaking cups mm-hmm. remaking takeout containers i mean the molds are outrageously expensive mm-hmm. um but you know that is a, a small um thing that's that's surmountable to, to deal rather they're like a a, a steel recycling plant that's melting yeah. the, uh, crazy amounts of energy aluminum mm-hmm. like all these things glass are, too uh, yeah gla- like glass isn't even recycled i talked to I some know. people I and they're know. just like they're like yeah it can be recycled but we just ship it to the dump and i'm like whoa that's that's and brutal. and that's a common theme with a lot of packaging in the industry like flexible packaging like it's got a recycling logo on it, or what people think is a recycling logo but as you know it's a resin code so yeah. you know even if it's a monostructure like a number two or a number four people put it in their blue bin at home but it doesn't end up going to the recycling center it gets sorted and either taken to the dump because it's soiled or it um, gets you know um shredded pelletized and then turned into engineered fuel but not many people know that yeah or yeah, yeah it's just yeah just straight up burned Burned. like you know it's yeah no yeah people don't know that like in in the states there's all these documentaries of like like oh it's a number five it's like a high quality polypropylene or whatnot Mm -hmm. and like all this stuff is like no we actually don't recycle any of that it's all burned or it's it's like it's it's traumatic i wish there's more conversation around it to be honest yeah i've tried getting in touch with recycle bc on so many different occasions to get them onto the podcast but they've been very difficult to get onto the show just to have a conversation about what recycling actually means on a local level and what is actually recyclable and the best way for people to go about it and 
Yeah, mm. I, it's I know a, they are. They are issue. really. They are really busy. We work with them. Uh, mm. So, like, Encorps the partner, and yeah, like, no uh, doubt. we're close with uh, yeah. Recycle BC. Yeah, um, actually, like one of my good friends from McGill, we were on a co-captains on a design mm. team to build oh, dune cool. buggies. So, uh, Sam Baker, I'm, I'm, I'm naming <laughs> you out, buddy. Um, he's a good friend of mine. So, let me get him on. Yeah, you, know, you should introduce me. Uh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, if you want to, for absolutely. Mate, you've talked about all of the positive aspects of the business and all of the things that you've got going right now. But tell us just one story before we uh, before we wrap it up about one of the biggest lessons that you've learned or one of the greatest challenges that you've had to sort of overcome. Oh. Uh, oh, I guess the the realization that there isn't enough of the anxiety or the the awareness um it's been it was it was good and bad so at, at first we're like we're gonna launch sharewares it's gonna be huge like mug share launched like that was like the og of uh of cup sharing in uh, like great people um uh, melanie and abner uh they're awesome um and we're like, okay, well, our technologies, you know, from what we could understand and what we've seen best on the planet, uh, our, our, our program is super easy, awesome. Like it's plug and play, no, no technology, no, no hardships, no friction, anything like yep. that. It's like, wow, this is going to be gangbusters immediately. And then we started talking to businesses. Um, well, we had been talking to them, but then like a lot of them, but then we, we talked to more and more and more. And some of them are just like, yeah, no, I'm good. And we're like, what do you mean? You're like, oh, people aren't asking for it. And it's like, well, okay, but I mean, like, you're doing the good thing. And it's just like, yeah, but it might cost a bit more. It's like, no, but right now it's, you know, like free. Like we're getting some, we're getting people, uh, associations are giving us money to give these things away for free too. We're sort of like, sweet. Like we could just, we're giving you free stuff. And they're like, nah, we're like, it's a hassle. Like it's, I'm like, no, but it's like the easiest thing on the on earth. Like, look how easy it is. They're like, yeah, but like it's something new and different. And, um, if the people aren't asking for it, then There's businesses, no yeah. yeah, then businesses don't want to add an extra complexity or a mm -hmm. difference, a change. Mm -hmm. um, so it's like, wow, it's like really, really needed people to be on board with this. And then going into all these associations and and, and joining these organizations um, that are kind of working on the you know the policy side and getting businesses and helping businesses and creating policy and and creating incentives for businesses and stuff like that. And they're all focusing on the like the policies policies and politics and politicians and lobbying and like the businesses and like how do we get them to get on, on board so that people have the options. It's just like, well, the options aren't there because there's no demand for it. Like we don't see it and feel it in our day-to-day -day lives when we're walking down the beautiful streets of Vancouver and anywhere probably in Canada. Um, there's not like this garbage crisis. There's not this waste, and people don't see even a cup as a problem. They're like, oh, it's paper. It's you know, it's it's mm -hmm. natural. It's got wax inside. It's no, it's not wax. It's plastic. But they don't, mm -hmm. you know, and they're like, but it's not that much plastic. You know, it's or it's it's fine. Uh, so they don't see and feel that that they they have any urgency to do and have any demand. Where like with COVID and the pandemic happened. Like there was demand for everything and businesses were created. Businesses were thriving that that filled these needs and filled them fast. Like people needed it and it happened overnight. That's amazing, like, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Humans have the like this, this ultimate potential when they're when they're motivated, especially motivated in groups. So we saw that like that's not happening for this. Mm. So everybody's looking to try to organically grow it through like having the options available, putting the policies in place, the policies and things like that, like laws, all that, those are in there to support what the people want. So like people don't want to like 
people stealing from them. You know, it's not like the law came in and then, you know, and then people were like, oh, shoot. Yeah, that was that thing that I needed was people not stealing from me. They're like, no, stop stealing my stuff. And then the law, then the the, you know, the law makers were like, yeah, well, let's just let's put that in. You know, like everybody wants this, we'll put that in. And everybody's like, oh, okay, good, sweet. You know, so it was like the people first, and then that. And like businesses come online, and like they want to, they like see a see a hole. Like people are smart, entrepreneurs are hungry, and they're just like, where is that hole that I can, you know, create a business around and make lots of money? Because then they they just have to find the need of the people mm-hmm. uh, that want that. And businesses aren't needing this. They have like three people, maybe one person running the sustainability out of like, you know, it's like a, a billion dollar company and they have like two people working on sustainability. It's just like, well, that's not right you know um but it's because the demand's not there if everybody was in it they would have just an army of people working on it late yeah so so the focus like what i'm seeing is is like the focus of everybody is an organizations are working on politics and and businesses and not focusing on, on the on the people and behavioral change and whatnot they just want it to organically happen but people don't see it feel it know it and uh, have any awareness to it and the stuff that's coming online they're like yeah that's not really maybe it's a little bit more expensive so there's not they, they can't you know get that economies of scale to make it as, as cheap as single use and mm. and things like that so that's the big realization is like if we don't have the people on board then really this thing is going to be a slow burn and seven years is going to be a, a splash in the pot. Like it's going to take forever to do it. Like Europe is so much more ahead of us. We're like where Europe was like 20 years ago, mm. but they haven't really progressed that much yeah. compared to us. Yeah. Yeah. Europe, they're so progressive in a lot of ways. Like you just um, look across multiple industries, even the printing industry and they're so far advanced um, compared to North America in a lot of ways. So yeah, I'm not surprised to hear that at all. Um, mate, Great episode today. Thank you so much for the conversation. Um, there is a lot in this one for everybody to digest. So I'll make sure that my show notes are nice and clear and concise for everybody so they can break it down as well. Um, mate, if anybody wanted to get in touch with you and learn a little bit more about Sharewares or they've got any specific questions, what's the best way for them to go about it? Yeah. I mean, if it's about the business, sharewares.ca. If they want to chat about circular economy, donut economics, any of that, you can add me on LinkedIn and you know, Cody Irwin in Vancouver Sharewares. Awesome. Yeah, you'll find Mate, me. Thank you very much. And before we get out of here, I just wanted to say congratulations. Uh, you were recently awarded or are the recipient of the Sustainability Award of Downtown Vancouver Business Improvement Association. So congratulations oh. for that. I'm sure that's a, a real feather in the cap for you guys. Oh, yeah. I was I was smitten. When that, I was, that, was, that was awesome. Thank I you. I saw the photo come up on LinkedIn. It was a good one. Right. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, man. Well, thank you very much for your time. Take care. No, Cheers. thank you. Cheers. Bye. All right, so that's episode 101 in the bank with Cody Irwin from Sharewares. And next week, we've got Tan Lee from LaRue on the show. Uh, It's a great little business that she's got going on over there. Uh, Tan, her full-time job is actually at Shopify. So she was able to give us a little bit of insight into the online component of her business. And I actually produced her bags, or we at Foodpack produced her bags as well. So yeah, a great little connection uh, and a lot to be learned on that episode too. So yeah, thanks again for tuning in and looking forward to having you back next week. Cheers. Thank you.